Hey Loco Geeks, Ian Padgett here. This week I'm interviewing Joanna Galveo to learn how she's used in-person networking to grow an incredibly successful design agency. But before we jump into the interview, I want to mention a collection of ebooks I've recently released that's completely free to download. They are called the Logo Designers Boxer, and they've been written by me to help you master the art of logo design and to make money from your skills too. So it's six ebooks. Firstly, we got Logo Tools, where I share the tools you need to design a logo. And then the next one is Logo Brief, uh, sharing you the, the questions that you need to be asking your clients and, and the reasons why you really need a, a brief in order to uh, create a successful logo. And then next we have Logo Ideas, which run through how to brainstorm and generate ideas uh, when working on a logo. And then book four is Logo Present, uh, where I share my tips and advice for presenting logo designs to clients successfully. And then the next one is Logo Files, which is a guide to the files that you need to prepare for clients once you finish the logo. And then finally, Logo Clients, which is a, an ebook crammed full of advice that I've collated from people within the Logo Geek community. So I hope that will all be really helpful for you. Now, like I said, these six ebooks are totally free to download. All you need to do to grab them is to head to boxset.logogeek.uk. Again, that is boxset.logogeek.uk. I've actually been thinking about expanding on all of these books and releasing them as physical books. So if, if that's something that you'd be interested in, let me know, you know, give me a shout out on Twitter or Instagram, you know, wherever you post, I'd love to hear from you. So anyway, as mentioned this week, I'm interviewing Joanna Galveo. I first came across Joanna in a Business Insider interview she did that was titled, I made $100,000 within 10 months of quitting my job, and these are my three takeaways for lasting success. Now, that's a really great article, which I recommend you to read. But one of the main takeaways for that was, firstly, she started her agency when she was only 22, and the agency is Gift Design Studios. And I mean, that's impressive in its own right. But what really stood out for me was her approach to finding clients, which was primarily face-to-face -face networking. And that's something I don't think uh, designers do enough of. And uh, that's the main reason why I wanted to get Joanna on. Now, it's actually thanks to Joanna's ability to network with the right people. Within those first six months of starting out, she was actually working with some really major influencers such as Lewis Howes, which again is just amazing. So in this interview, we find out how Joanna started her business, how she uses networking to find high quality clients, how she slowly increased her prices. You know, she started out uh, like at $100 and now she's, you know, charging five figure sums. And um, we also talk about how she leverages speaking opportunities to gain credibility and to also attract more clients too. It's a really inspiring story. So rather than keep talking about it, let's jump straight into the interview. Here is Joanna Galveo. I know you started your career as a junior um, at a London design agency, but you decided quite early on to start your own business. Could you tell us a little bit more about those early days and uh, why you made your mind up to start your own business? Sure. So um, first things first was in London, I had a really big commute. So I think when you have a big commute, you know, I would do an hour and a half each way to work. You have a lot of time to think about life. <laughs> So I think that's the first thing that played a part in me leaving so early. Um, because, you know, to be honest, I didn't dislike my job. I, I loved it. I loved the agency. Um, I, I liked my boss and the people who work, who I worked with a lot. Um, but the reason why I started um, digging into freelancing was actually I wanted to come home more often. I'm from Portugal and I 
you know, missed the sunshine a lot and my friends. And I wanted to be able to afford that. And with my junior salary, I wasn't being able to. So I started like researching online, you know, how do you go about getting clients? How do you go about becoming a freelancer? Um, so that I, my intention was to just work weekends and, you know, save up so I could have more travel. And I come, came across Marie Forleo. Do you know of her? No, I'm not familiar with her. So Marie Forleo is um, an entrepreneur who teaches entrepreneurs how to start their own businesses online. Uh, her audience is very female-based. And she has uh, this course called B-School. And B-School is $2,000. And it's a six, eight-week program with some live coaching calls um, that teaches you how to set up your own online shop. And during her launch... I was seeing like all these transformations of people who, you know, were stuck in the nine to five and now they were working like the dream laptop lifestyle from the beach, which is not that glamorous, by the way, (laughs) for anyone listening who's craving that it's like, it doesn't work (laughs) at the beach. You can't even look at your screen. Like that's just a lie. Um, but I was seeing all these success stories and I was like, oh gosh, like that sounds like so much fun. I want in but I don't have $2,000 to spend on an online course. <laughs> but in one of her videos, she asked the question of like, fill out the blank. Wouldn't it be great if, and write it in the comments. And so I wrote, wouldn't it be great if I magically got some freelance clients so that I could make $2,000 in 10 days before the cart closed. Cause it was a once a year launch. Um, yeah, if I could magically make some uh, graphic design freelance clients so that I could make it into B-School. And next thing I know, someone reads my comment, messages me, and says, well, I don't have $2,000 to spend on a logo, but I have 800 Would you do a logo for $800? <laughs> and that's when my mind just, it was blown. I was like, someone would pay $800 for a logo? This is insane. And yeah, I think the rest was history. I just, I started, I started working for her. She was already in the the group of this online course that had 20,000 students at the time. And she was like, oh, I'm working with this graphic designer. She's really sweet. She wants to get into B-School. She still needs like another $1,200. Does anyone need graphic design work? This is what she did for me. And then suddenly I was booked solid for like three months. Wow. With that one comment. And I'm, I'm really fortunate that like I took the leap and I posted that comment because if I hadn't, you know, God knows, I would just be like sitting at my desk dreaming about being able to afford that course. Yeah, it's amazing where client opportunities can come from. And it sounds like straight from the outset, you had a really amazing opportunity there to work on lots of different things. So just to clarify, was that enough to get the income that you needed to join B-School? It was. Yeah. So I made $2,000 in 10 days. Wow, nice. (laughs) I worked my ass off. (laughs) So I would get up at six in the morning. I'd work from 6.30 a.m. to like 8.30 a.m. Then I'd like quickly run to the, to catch the train. Then I'd do some work on the train, more emails, because it it's hard to produce design work when you're on, on the train. And then I would work from 9.30 till 6, and then I'd leave, come home, and then work till midnight. And I did that for 10 days to make it into B-School. Well, I actually did that probably for two months on and off. Yeah. Yeah, that shows total dedication. So that was all on the side while you still had your junior position. Yes, yeah. Wow. That that yeah. shows dedication and it you know it shows what's possible when you work really really hard. So congratulations for that. Now, I, I know you had a lot of success after initially making your mind up that you did want to work for yourself and I know within those first 10 months you hit six figures, mm-hmm. which is impressive. So congratulations for that. Thanks. Could I could I kind of dig into what you was able to learn at B school like some tips or advice that you got from that that gave you the the knowledge that you needed to start bringing in clients in the way that you did? Sure. Um, so I think the first thing about B-School is that it has a really great um, Facebook group with, and if you think about it, everybody in B-School, there are people starting their online businesses. So everyone needs a logo, everyone needs a website. And so I think the first thing that I realized is you need to go where the fish are. 
you know, um, a lot of us creatives and designers and developers will go to like design conferences and development conferences, yeah. but really we should be going to online business conferences or, you know, travel business conferences and meet people. Cause imagine if you're the only graphic designer at a travel business conference, you're going to be the go-to person that everyone's like, Oh, I need mm -hmm. to improve my website. Oh, well, have you met Ian? Like I just met him my coffee break and that's what he does for a living. You know, so that's the first thing I learned is go where the fish are, um, or go where your clients are really and start to learn about like what they, what their needs are, what they struggle with. And then I, I guess the second thing is craft your website copy to them. I see a lot of designers that their website is just their portfolio and they're, they hope that that's going to sell the work for themselves, but really you need some copy to speak to their pain points. Um, so mine is very much about like in my personal brand one, um, it's very much about like, you only have a shot at making a first impression, you know, the, in the first eight seconds that someone lands on your website, they're making their minds up about whether you're an expert or not and whether they should hire you or not. So you really need to make that first impression. Great. Things like that. But then the third thing that I think really just made me skyrocket was Marie Forleo in her course, she suggests that we reach out to someone higher up in, like, if you think of, you know, Nike being the end goal client that you want to have, and then maybe someone who's like online famous is like the next tier down. And, and you start to map out like your dream clients. She's like, just reach out to someone who's halfway. You know, because if, if I reached out to Nike as a junior, it's like I wouldn't even get a reply. If I reached yeah. out to Marie Forleo herself, probably wouldn't get a reply. She's too famous. She has too big of an audience. But if I reached out to someone who's like halfway there, maybe I will. So that's what I did. I reached out to I had heard um, this entrepreneur called Selena Sue on a podcast. And I'm like, well, she knows Marie Forleo and she knows Oprah and she knows um, Danielle Laporte and all these people that I personally admired um and that I would love to have as my clients and so I reached out to her and I said you know I would do some free uh work for her just as a thank you and maybe as an exchange for a testimonial and she replied back like oh my god coincidentally my designer just called in sick I have a launch tomorrow I need this sales page finished by then can you help so I did the sales page, uh, worked overnight for her, pulled an all-nighter. And next thing I know, I have this testimonial from a person who's really well-respected. And that gives me instant credibility. It allows me to raise my rates. And I also start a relationship with someone who's really influential and knows a lot of influential people. So two months down the line, she posts a, a job post on Facebook asking for um, someone to help assist her in her mastermind in New York. And I said, I volunteered. And at first she was like, can you imagine like you get, you, you're like putting a job ad for a non-paid assistant position and someone from London applies and you're in New York. Um, but I knew that if I got the chance to hang out with her and she was like, she was already making seven figures a year in her business. So I knew I had a lot to learn, uh, from her. And she was also teaching other service providers how to get to seven figures in their business. And so I, I said, I, I would, I, I'd love to volunteer for you. I'd love to fly myself to New York, but put myself into a hotel and just work for you for free for a week. So we did that. And by the end of the week, which is where all the magic happened, we started to become friends. And she was like, actually, I'm going to throw a party uh, to celebrate my two years in business, but I don't want you to come as an assistant anymore. I want you to come as my guest. And so at that party, she introduced me to a lot of important people in like the online space, you know, like Lewis House, Ramit Sethi, Derek Halpern. These are all very, um, very influential people in the online yeah. marketing space. And she introduced me to them as her graphic designer and her friend. And then two of them became my clients, Derek Halpern and Lewis House. So the rest really became history because by then I had like some of the most famous people in my industry as in my niche as clients. And that allowed me to really start to become well-known. 
Yeah, that really shows the power of networking and like the importance of going to these events where these people are uh, speaking so that you've got the opportunity to speak to them. Yes. I really love the first point that you said about go where the fish are, because mm-hmm. I, I see so many graphic designers, they will dedicate their time to posting their work on things like Behance and Dribble, And right. that's literally a room of graphic designers. Why on earth would you do that? The, Your like clients, the... I ask my clients all the time, do you know what Behance is? They're like, no. Because everyone yeah, asks like, me, like, that? where do you yeah. hire graphic designers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if you go to an event, um, we spoke earlier about the Youpreneur Summit, which I'm hoping to go to. I've gone to that now two years in a row. And whilst there are a couple of graphic designers in the room, in terms of specializing in something like logo design, it does work like you said. If you go to all these networking events and you get chatting to everybody, I had moments where literally someone took my card my business card and my business card has a picture of me I had someone walking around the event looking for me and said is it Ian (laughs) and um yeah I've I've got plenty of clients from that because like you said you know you're in a room with people that have invested a considerable about amount of money to be at this event yeah they're all starting their own business they're all passionate enthusiastic entrepreneurs Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're the only graphic designer in the room, who are they going to go to when they need their graphic design services? So exactly. I, I think that's fantastic advice. On, on, But on that point, like imagine, let's say, Ian, do you have any hobbies? I, I do. I, to be honest, I work a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I find say, at the moment say... I'm working all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Because I have a friend, like, for example, my friend, um, he loves, uh, he's a motion designer and he loves BMX and mountain biking and uh, just radical sports. So I keep telling him, like, just go to a conference where all those brands are like an, a radical sports expo or something like that and just start talking to them because then at least you're going um, to fish, quote unquote, in a pond of people who like the same things as you and who all need design. Or Google how to start a a bike company. And you're going to end up in forums and things of people who are starting their own bike shops and who all need logo designs. And then you Mm -hmm. just, in the forum, you're like, guys, if anyone needs a logo design, or you start to give value and start to give tips and I think it's in forums and conferences and Facebook groups, places where people are having conversations that really the magic happens. I think everything's about relationships these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I'd, I'd love to spend a little bit of time talking to you about networking because clearly mm-hmm. you've done that very well from the, from the outset. But I, I am aware that it's quite an intimidating thing to do. I know personally, mm-hmm. I've, I found it quite scary to do that at the beginning. And I'm sure there's people listening to this that, you know, are probably thinking they're the same and uh, maybe not doing it at all because, you know, they're totally put off by it. But I do feel like that's one of the key reasons why you've had a lot of success. Do you have any advice for how to approach those networking events? Sure. Um, Okay, so for the the people who are like scared or who aren't don't feel really comfortable in this social scenario where they can't just walk up to someone and make conversation out of the blue. So I guess for the introverts, um, my friend, she writes a lot about this and she suggests like, and, and I do this too as well. Sometimes it's always great to do this is to just like, let's say you're going to Youpreneur and you're, you know, you know that you're not the type of person that is just like sees a group of people and just walks up to them and like, hi, I'm Ian, let's chat. If you're not comfortable with that, then like research the speakers. Maybe if you can research the attendees, find like the people who you'd love to meet and start a relationship with them before the event. So if you want to meet one of the speakers, like research them, uh, find out, you know, 
the latest things that they've posted about maybe, or uh, do they have kids? Do they have hobbies? What can you like, what's a topic of conversation you can strike with them, but then also email a really thoughtful email. Like I'm about to go to see you speak. I'm really looking forward to it, uh, particularly because I loved your article on this or your book really helped me achieve this. Um, every, uh, like every influencer or speaker that I've met, including like Christo, which your audience might be more familiar with. He always says like, I give a lot of advice, but the best emails I get is when people tell me how they've implemented my advice and what results it got from them. And he will always reply to those. If it's just like questions, he gets like a bit frustrated because he's just like, guys, Google, YouTube, like search on our channel. We've made a video about that already. Like if it's like, how do I raise my rates, Chris? Or how do I make my portfolio better? It's like that shows laziness. But if you give a really thoughtful email, like, hey, Chris, so your video on like how to improve your portfolio helped me do this, which helped me land this job. So really thankful for you on that. Really looking forward to meeting you at the at the event you know, then strike, strike a conversation and then it's going to be a lot easier. You're going to walk up to him and he's going to be like, Hey, I remember you. How's it going? Like, how's that thing that you emailed me about? And that's how I, how I would say to start. If you, if you really strike that, um, meaningful conversation through email, it's going to be a lot easier. Mm. I will add to that as well. I know with the Upener, I, I don't know about any of these other events because I, I am aware that you go to some of the more, you know, the really expensive events that have ticket values of like £2,000. But with Youpreneur in particular, they actually have a secret yeah. Facebook group that you become part of. Yeah. And uh, someone started uh, this thing in the group where they do video introductions. Mm-hmm. And I found it really useful to create a video and pop it in there. And also watch all of the videos because it's mm-hmm. a really good icebreaker. Like there's so many people yeah. I I met at, the, the, at that event. And the first thing I said is, oh my God, I loved your video. <laughs> and it's a good way of, you know, making them aware that you know what they are doing. And it, it's just a nice icebreaker. Yeah. And, you know, if the, because I, I do find that Chris does that beautifully. He does that for every event. He also used to do it for his retreats in the Philippines that I went to. But if an event doesn't do that, there will be other ways. Maybe there's like hashtags you could follow um, of the event and see who else is publishing on their social media that they've got the ticket and they're excited for the event or they're traveling to it. And then just start like to look at their content on social media and strike a conversation yeah. as well that way. Yeah. I've always done that with events that I've gone to and it, it really works because it just means that you go to that event almost as a friend and, you know, you yeah. can send them a message saying, I'm at the event, you want to go and grab a drink afterwards or something like that. And mm-hmm. it breaks the ice. And I've always found it beneficial as well that when you meet somebody, if you know someone else, introduce them. Hopefully they will do the same for you. And eventually you'll get to know everybody in the room. <laughs> yeah. And even the people like the, on that note, I, I've been doing this more recently. I've been trying to like, I'll reach out to a friend who, um, you know, I really connect with and I'll be like, Hey, do you have someone cool you can introduce me to? I'm, I'm trying to meet new people this month. And then I'll go on coffee dates with (laughs) different people from all walks of life. The wider your network is, the more likely you're going to get great opportunities. Yeah. Do you have any advice for the situations where you, you are at a networking event, uh, like that particular event, people generally go and hang out in one of the local hotels in the bar. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can get stuck with somebody, but you want to network with other people within the room. Do you have any advice for kind of wrapping up that Ooh. conversation and moving on to the next person? Because that's something I've always struggled with myself. <laughs> oh man, I struggle with that too, because I'm like, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You you have I guess you have to be selfish, right? You're there for for you know very concrete reasons and you need to meet people to advance in your career. So you have to put yourself first. So I think first it's just like reminding yourself why you're going to have to end that conversation, why it's important that you do it. Because even if you're gonna hurt someone's feelings, the outcome is like you you might meet someone that you really wanted to meet. So I, I tried like as nicely as possible to make up an excuse like I'm just gonna pop to Lulu 
And then I'll actually <laughs> walk into the toilet and then when I come back out, I'll go chat with someone else. Um, or just make up another excuse. Like, oh, I just I just need to make a phone call. Like great chatting to you. And then just like as you're as you're signing off, just uh, signing off. <laughs> as you're like, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll I'll just say something like, it was great chatting to you. Wish you all the luck. You know, when you say that, it's like you're ending it kind of yeah. you're, you're ending the conversation there yeah you know or good luck or enjoy the rest of the event that's like i'm not coming back <laughs> yeah something i've done before as well is i've been i've just been honest and said um i want to walk around the room a bit and, and network and hopefully meet a few more people within the room and because it's at a networking event they want to do the same as well so they're normally quite mm-hmm. understanding but popping to the toilet is a good <laughs> a good one because that's a real like you could probably just quickly end it and move on to uh, someone yeah, else. <laughs> you always get the ones that like imagine you say like oh I'm gonna you know walk around the room because I want to meet some more people and then they say great me too I'll walk around with you. <laughs> like you always get those ones, um, and I get it. Like sometimes it's easy. Like you're 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 scared in an event and you just it it feels comfortable to just latch onto the person that just spent the last half hour talking to you. But, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I find it useful as well. (laughs) If you see someone on their own, that's a good place to start as well because they're easy to approach because they're on Mm -hmm. their own. They are there to network as well, but they're probably in the same situation as you. They're feeling a bit shy and intimidated. So it's a a nice, uh, they will appreciate it. I've been at events before where I've gone up to somebody and, you know, at the end of the night, they say, Ian, thank you for coming up to me. I was literally just about to leave when you came over. Um, You know, so, you you know, you you can help someone else if they are stood on their own and lingering. So Mm -hmm. uh, do that if you're a little bit intimidated by it. Yeah. And hey, it's going to be uncomfortable at the beginning. So at the beginning, I started going to really small events. My first event was a mastermind with 10 people with Chris Ducker. And then my second one was uh, his retreat in the Philippines, which was 50 people for six days. So there's like no hiding there. You really get to know people. So I would start with those rather than going to the 6,000 person conference. Like I I spoke at um, Traffic and Conversion earlier this year. And a lot of people who went who didn't know anyone there complained that it was really hard to meet people and and even in the networking breaks because it's Mm. such a big conference that normally the people who've gone multiple times they know a lot of people there yeah and so they just hang out with those because they want to catch up and then it becomes hard to break into those circles I just want to take a short break to mention a must-have extension for Adobe Illustrator that every logo designer needs. It's called Logo Package Express and it's been designed to automatically generate and export a comprehensive kit of logo files in minutes. I mean this tool is literally automatically converting your logo into all the variations that you need such as full color CMYK, inverted, black, Y and Pantone too and it's saving them out in all the formats that you'd need for web and print and it's also nicely organizing them into different folders too and like I say it's doing pretty much all of that automatically so it takes you less than two minutes. Prior to using this this tool, once a logo had been approved, preparing a comprehensive kit of logo files like that was taking me at least an hour per project. So over the last year, this product has saved me hours and and hours so if you're a logo designer it's absolutely worth getting like I say it's really amazing it's a must-have for logo designers so I want to make sure that you check it out to do that just head to logogeek.uk forward slash extension and if you use the promo code logogeek you can get 20% off it is worth mentioning that that is an affiliate link so if you do buy the product via that link you help to support the logo geek podcast at no extra cost to you so if you want to go and check it out and support the podcast in the process just head to logogeek.uk forward slash extension using the promo code logogeek to get 20 percent off now let's get back to that interview 
I want to go back to the three areas you mentioned earlier uh, that you learned from B-Score, in particular the uh, one about reaching out to your target audience. I, I know you mentioned earlier how you met Lewis Howes at an event, but I see that you've been able to work with um, a number of other in- influential types such as Chris Ducker. Um, aside from what you've already mentioned, is there anything else that you're doing to actively seek out and attract your ideal customer? Um, It's really like building relationships. I mean, like, just like you would, I I think it's very much like dating someone, you know, how does Mm. one become one's boyfriend slash girlfriend? (laughs) Mm. You know, you go like, you start with like a text and then maybe you go on a date and then you go on another one. So it's kind of like that. Like Lewis, I met him at a party um, at that party that I told you about and then every now and then I'd, I'd put comments in his Instagram photos and then I'd email him maybe if something he said struck a chord with me just to, so that to keep that relationship going, just to like, hey, remember me? Hey, remember me? Yeah. <laughs> Stay yeah. top of mind. And then it so happens that he was one of the speakers at Chris Tucker's event. So I was able to go there. Um, if this was in the Philippines. Again, 50 people for six days. So you really like that, I had a lot of opportunity to talk to him multiple times. It's a rare occasion. And this was five years ago. So I don't know if that would happen now. Not with Lewis anyway. And so I just, it enabled me because I stayed top of mind. It enabled me to go up to him and he'd be like, hey, Joanna, how are you? And then I would just like strike conversations. And then I'd ask about like, Hey, so who's doing your design? (laughs) Do you need help? Did you know that I'm starting? Like, you know, just if you're genuine and you're like, Hey, I'm starting, I'd love to have you as a client. And I even told Lewis this, like, I'd be happy to give you a special discount because your name on our portfolio will, would really raise our profile. And Mm -hmm. so we discussed it. We like negotiated a deal and yeah, I think it's just like, Slowly, slowly, you know, like I've met Pat Flynn multiple times. If I go up to Pat Flynn, he knows who I am. He'll say, hey, Joanna, how are you doing? It has, but I know he has a full-time design team, so I'm not going to go up to him and and ask about design, but I'll make sure to every now and then send him an email or reply to a comment just so he knows I exist. Because then what he'll do is like someone asks him like, hey, I need a designer. Do you know anyone? He'll remember me. Mm. So you don't always have to like the relationships and goal doesn't always have to be like, I need to make you my client. It could just be like, I'm going to like stay on your radar and be friendly with you and be nice. You want to be the person where they see an email pop up from you and they're looking forward to reading it. Like make sure you're not always asking, asking, like you're giving, you're suggesting things, you're giving compliments, things like that. Because yeah, I, I get a lot of referrals from people who ha- I haven't even worked with directly. Mm, that's amazing. I, I really like how you approach networking. It, it really does sound like the best way to go about doing this. You know, you're going out there making friends, but yeah, you know, you're just making them aware along the way that you do graphic design. Um, but I also really like that you are actually, you know, politely, directly asking them. Um, but I also like that you also pointed out that whilst these people might not hire you, uh, they could refer you. So Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, like I said, I I think this is really amazing advice. And uh, I I don't think I've heard anyone explain it quite like that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you've really made networking sound uh, fun. So thank you. Thanks. And, you know, I would add that, like, now I try to never tell them what I do. I try to connect with them on, like, as if you were making friends in the first day of school. And if they ask what I do, then I'll have like a mini pitch ready. Um, but then I'll nowadays I'm just like, okay, I'm just here to make friends. And then mm. I want to be friends enough so that I can add them later on Facebook. And then on Facebook, I'm going to remind them of the work that I do and they're going to see it. And then they're also going to see other posts that are more like personal and my opinions on things uh, just to stay top of mind because you never you really never know who's going to refer work or who's paying attention, who's reading your posts. And so just, um, just be friends with them for the right reasons and let Mm. the rest just happen organically. Yeah. That's really good advice. 
Um, now, I, I, I have noticed, um, you know, watching your videos and reading a few of your posts that you are attending a lot of conferences. You know, you made yeah. it quite clear that since you've uh, started out, you've been going on these online classes, going to, to these events, and some of them are very high price tickets and the average graphic designer wouldn't be going to those. Uh What is the reason why you are going to those events? Is it purely for the networking side of things or is there more to it? Oh, multiple things. Um, if If we think back to like that advice of go where the fish are, the more expensive the event, the more money those people make and the more likely they're gonna pay for high price design, right? So I think about it as an investment, you know, like, and I did not have $2,000 when I was like, I want to go to B school. I wanted something really badly. I made it happen. Same thing when then I heard about Chris Ducker's conference in the Philippines, which was $4,000 plus a flight to the Philippines. I wanted it really badly. I made it happen. You know, I think let's not think of excuses not to do something. Let's think of like, what are solutions that, you know, maybe I can't attend that $5,000 event, but maybe I can make the $1,000 event work. Let's just mm-hmm. bet on one. And at that event, let me try and raise my rates and see what happens. Then if you raise your rates at that event, you meet more people who are going to refer more clients. Then it's just like, it's a ladder, right? Then the next time you can afford the 1500 event and then the 2000. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's how I've kind of, I've gone to a $10,000 event. Mm. <laughs> so I just like go like slowly, baby steps. Okay, now I can afford this one. And yeah, now I a lot of our clients are making, we have some clients that are making seven figures a month. So I guess it's just like, how how badly do you want it? And let's climb that staircase one step at a time. Mm, it's a really amazing way to look at it and uh, you proved it, it definitely works. So it, it's something I need to think about doing more of myself. Um, this actually leads on nicely to another topic I wanted to discuss with you. And that is pricing mm-hmm. and, you know, charging what you're worth. I know there's a lot of designers out there who really struggle with this. And um, I like that you've been really honest and transparent about this. Like uh, earlier, you mentioned about the $800 project and seeing that as a lot of money at that time. And also I, I watched a video uh, where you actually mentioned that, you know, you would have been happy to have just taken a hundred dollars for a logo. But mm-hmm. now I understand that you're bringing in projects at five figure sums. So mm-hmm. you've clearly worked your way up from the bottom. So do you have any advice for listeners for pricing and how um, they can go about increasing their prices too in the way that you have? So I really think it's a big piece of it. It's down to mindset. If you think like, okay, think about like everyone listening, what do you actually charge? Okay, now imagine, triple that in your mind and Imagine saying that out loud on a call. So if you charge like $1,000 for a logo, imagine saying on a call, I charge $3,000 for a logo. How uncomfortable does that feel? Because likelihood is it's going to feel pretty uncomfortable. And so the first objective is how can you be comfortable with saying that and owning it? Because if you don't feel comfortable saying that, the client on the sales call is going to pick that up. If you can say confidently, like, you know, recently our our biggest project to date was a $60,000 website. Five years ago, gosh, like, I wouldn't even be able to say that number, you know? (laughs) So I, I do a lot of mindset work. I practice saying prices a lot. And then I also know what the client needs on the end of it. Like, I also know that the quality of our design is valuable. The service that we give is valuable. Um, the strategic advice that I bring to the table is valuable. And if, you know, it's like what Chris Doe says, I think it's him that says it. If you want to charge a hundred thousand dollar for a service, then you need to solve a million dollar problem. If you want to charge $10,000, you need to solve a hundred thousand dollar problem. Now, if you want to charge $10,000 for a website for something, someone who's just starting out, uh, that's going to be hard, 
right? Because they're, they're not going to have the money. So no matter how good of a salesman you are, that's not going to, not going to help. So it's, I think it's a, it's like a, a combination of multiple things. The mindset, like, do you trust in your own value? Because a lot of it is just like, you could probably double your prices right now and clients would say yes. Um, or you could probably raise your rates to current clients 10% and they would stick with you. I'd suggest you try that. <laughs> and then the next thing is like, who are you talking to? Are you solving them a big enough problem that they see the value? And then how are you packaging your services? Because right now we don't, we don't say we sell logos. We say we sell brand identity packages. And then in the proposal, I'm like, well, we start off with a brand strategy call and a questionnaire, and then we create concepts. I don't say logos. And then at the end, you get a brand identity PDF. Like, you know, it's like, how can you sell it to them? You know, can you, like I say at the end, I say like the brand style guide you get is that so you don't need to hire us for little things like creating Instagram graphics. It becomes a guide for you to be able to hire someone on Fiverr or Behance or what have you. And the outcome is going to be consistent and your brand's going to be coherent. And that's going to make you look very professional because they're going to follow that. And they're like, oh, that's so so valuable. I've never heard a designer say that they're, well, of course, you know, there are thousands of designers out there who do this, but you know, it's like, how can you sell it to them in a way that it solves other problems that they have? And I think all of those things combined just allow you to really start raising your rates. Mm, this is really great advice. Um, out of curiosity, when you said about packaging your services, have you approached your messaging and sales process any differently when working at, say, the $1,000 mark versus, you know, the, the larger figures, like $10,000 above? Have you approached those any differently or has it really just been a mindset thing? Um, I'm not sure. I think, like, I've been selling the same exact package with the same proposal, the same languaging. Um, yeah, actually, so I, I would say, no, it's not It's not really about the language or the pricing because my copy on my website has been the same for four years. So has my proposal and so has the methodology of our branding. And we've gone from charging $900 to then like $1,500 to then doubling it once I was on my first stage, I doubled on the spot to three thousand, and then that didn't get any pushback. So then I went up to five thousand, and now it's sixty-five hundred for a brand identity. And we've even done like fifteen thousand when I included like copy um, and uh, strategy. So it's always been the same. It's just like I have more confidence in our services. I have more confidence in saying these prices out loud. And I've also been in rooms with people who I know can afford it and who I know have paid similar rates for other services. And that's why I think it's worth going to expensive events because that's where you're going to meet these people. Yeah, I, I know when I spent uh, a high price to attend events like this, I, I was once incredibly surprised to be sat by someone who not only didn't bulk at the price they quoted for them, but they actually told me there and then to charge more and, <laughs> and they ultimately did uh, too. So you're right that it's worth investing in these events and uh, uh, that being confident in, in what you do is important too. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing as well is like, I've created an infrastructure where our costs are like 30 grand a month. So it's mm. like, I've got people to pay. I've got responsibilities. If I don't stick to these high prices <laughs> and if I'm not confident about charging this, then how am I going to pay for my staff? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's just like slowly, slowly. But if you find that your mindset keeps blocking you, then research how you can work on it. There are great books. Like I think, um, the big leap is a great one. Um, mindset i think it's a i think really it's just called mindset um you could do like i don't know talk to your psychologist about like what are your blocks around money do hypnotherapy do affirmation you know there are so many different things you can experiment with whatever resonates with you try that because if you're thinking like gosh like no one is ever gonna pay a thousand dollars for me to do a logo for them or a thousand pounds then that's a mindset thing you need to fix. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I literally had a client come back to me uh, two days ago 
and I've been working with them since I started this project. So I've done all of the packaging, all of the branding. They've not worked with any other graphic designer. I've done everything. Uh, they make a million a year, a million dollars a year now, and they just go all into Walmart and everything like that. And I know I charge nowhere near enough for that project. So I'm going to make sure to check those books out you mentioned and uh, mm -hmm. I'll probably look at some other options as well but I think to be honest just that alone has given me a bit more confidence so I'm gonna experiment with that and uh, see what I can do with it um I want to ask you uh, one last question mm -hmm. now I know that you are speaking at a lot of events now and mm -hmm. I'm gonna make the assumption that you do that primarily to help build authority so that you do attract clients and um, again, you're at those events with people that have the money, but I'd like to split this down into two questions. What is the reason why you do speak at these events now? And do you have any advice for people that would like to do similar things? Sure. So the primary reason is just lead gen. Um, yeah. I've played around with very many different ways to get clients. And one, when I was invited to speak at one of my clients' conferences, we, cause we track where our clients come from, whether it's word of mouth, whether it's Instagram, whether it's from our funnel, things like that. And we saw that 50% of our business last year was from that one event where I spoke on the power that design has to convert website viewers into customers. So I really catered the talk to business owners and why they need design. It wasn't even, I didn't teach them anything about design. I just taught them why it's important to help change their mind. Like, Ooh, that's valuable. I want that. And then essentially they're like, well, if I want that, I want her, <laughs> I want her yeah. to do this for me, whatever she showed on the screen, I want the same for my business. And so that was the the conference where I doubled my rates on the spot because I saw oh. like a huge line of people lining up as soon as I came off stage of people who wanted to work with me and ask me questions. And so immediately, like my instinct was like double your rates now. Um, so I did that. And a lot of the feedback that I got was like, oh, I thought you were going to be so much more expensive because you're on stage. You're like seen as an expert. So really the primary reason is just like, I want clients out of it. I find it's the most effective way to get clients. Now, how do you go about it? You make friends with people who have events. <laughs> you start <laughs> small. You, I would suggest like getting used to talking about this, like by doing Facebook lives, uh, doing webinars, podcasts, uh, podcast episodes, just work your way up. But then when I was like, no, it's time to get really serious. I enrolled in like a speaking course and I also invested in getting a speaker reel done. I had some, I, I was lucky to have, I won a competition to get on stage in front of 3000 people. And I had the footage from that. And then I had the footage from the other event that I had done for my client. And I think from like another small one that I got invited here uh, in Portugal, I hired a motion agents at like a, videography agency, uh, Creative Lemons here in Portugal. They're amazing. Go check their work out. Um, and I, I wrote a script. I, I was like, okay, so I want this reel to be like me speaking to the camera and some shots of me uh, speaking on stage, but I also want some shots of me doing design work and working as an agency so that I can use it for like multiple things. And then I started to just reach out to event organizers and showing them my reel. Chris Ducker already had a relationship with him. So I was like, Chris, I've taken speaking very seriously. I've invested in this course. I've done the, these gigs. Here's my reel. I'd love to speak at Upreneur next year. And he was like, done. And I've done the same with traffic and conversion and other events. Mm. So yeah, so in steps. <laughs> in, in every situation that you have spoke at these events is it always been you reaching out to them as opposed to them reaching out to you uh let me see now there has been one event two events actually that have reached out to me because they met me after i spoke at traffic and conversion but yeah you have to reach out to them in the beginning for sure this is yet another area where your networking skills have come into play and really paid off um you know it's very clearly been key to your success Definitely. um as for speaking have you always been comfortable on stage or have you needed to work through any anxieties around that 
I'm always nervous. Um, and I would imagine everyone is. Yeah. <laughs> um, even the most confident speakers. Like I, I've met a lot of people who speak for a living and they're always nervous before. But I have, I do have a performance background. Like I, um, I grew up in London and I went to uh, St. Marylebone School for Performing Arts. So we were always on stage, whether it's playing, I was playing the piano or I was in drama class, um, dancing. And then I was a Zumba teacher as well in my past life. <laughs> so like when I was in university. So I was, yeah, very, from very early on, I was just, I just became used to being on stage. But that's not the case for everybody I've met who speaks. There's a lot of people who are terrified of speaking um, and who do it. But if you're really that terrified, then maybe speaking is not for you. Maybe it's more webinars or something yeah. else. Yeah, I think just putting yourself out there in the way that you've done and being in a place where you can meet other people is is key. But I don't know. I, I think there's something about being the person on the stage a, you can charge more, and B, you're 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 literally speaking directly to everybody in the room. So I, I think yeah. um, where you've reached, even though you've always been quite comfortable uh, performing in in front of crowds, anyone that wants to do the same, I I suffer from anxiety myself, but I push myself, and I've actually done uh, I've not done a whole speech yet, but I've done uh, I've been on a panel, and even though you're nervous leading up to it, the actual thing, once you're up there speaking, it's a lot more comfortable than, than you assume in your head. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think it's useful as well, knowing that everybody, I haven't spoken to anyone that does this, that is actually 100% comfortable doing it. Everybody gets nervous. It's mm -hmm. normal. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think it's been an amazing interview. <laughs> I, I really love your story and your advice has been incredible especially around networking so thank you so much for your time i'm sure listeners will absolutely love this yeah thank you for having me in i i hope it was helpful for everyone listening um and yeah thanks for having me you're welcome if you enjoyed this interview let both myself and joanna know by tagging us on twitter instagram or facebook it's always great to hear feedback and to know somebody that's listened so i know that joanna will really appreciate that too so go on your social media platforms and let us know now if you want to learn more about joanna either head to her personal website joannagalveo.com or visit gifdesignstudios.com which is her agency's website if you want to discuss this episode with me and other designers from around the world, join the Logo Geek community on Facebook, which is totally free to join. Just visit logogeek.uk forward slash community. Alternatively, if you want to chat on video calls with myself and other experienced logo designers, you can do that in Logo Geek Plus, which is an, an incredible way to meet and chat with other designers live. You can ask us questions, you can get the support you need. But what we do is get together and just chat about a topic. It's really fun. It's only $10 a month to join. Just visit community.logogeek.uk to sign up. Again, that's community.logogeek.uk. Next week, we actually have Mash that spoke in the last episode joining us in the next video course. So I'd love for you to join us within that. So that's it for this week, but I will see you again the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast. <laughs>